Is the economy in recession or is it recovering? How would we know which way the economy is turning and what are the implications and consequences if it goes into recovery or if it does go further toward recession? Well, let's talk to Mr. Stephen Van Meter and see if we can't piece together, first of all, where we are and then think about maybe where we're going. Steve, we got a lot of stuff this week, starting with, of course, real GDP in the United States, also real GDP in uh, Germany and a couple other places around the world. And as bad as, say, financial markets have been pricing things, it looks like GDP-wise, America's doing really well, right? Yeah, Jeff. I mean, you, you've got a great setup here because on one hand, you've got GDP, you've got labor markets, you've got the Fed's favorite inflation gauge saying, hey, everything's OK. And the stock market saying, yeah, we totally agree. Melt up. This thing's going to the moon. But on the other hand, we have some things that say, wait a minute, you know, earnings weren't all that great. You've got issues with the yield curve. You've got housing problems. You've got uh, regional Fed data saying that things are not quite where they should be. So, you know, let's talk about this GDP number because it looks great. I mean, it, it, it tells you, look, we had two negative quarters. That's exactly what the government said. It's exactly what the Fed said. Hey, we're just going to have this mild slowdown and then boom, we're going to take off. Are, are we not taking off? Yeah, that's I think the, the major narrative that had been, I mean, uh, narrative, projection, forecast, whatever you want to call it, uh, politicians, the Federal Reserve, economists said way overheated, really booming in 2021. So we need a little bit of a slowdown to get into something more stable and two negative quarters to begin the year, which suggested, OK, maybe some kind of transition, but transition to what? That was always the question. Was it were they correct? Do we just slow down into more stable, more stable situation or is there more to it? Did the slowdown actually slow down? And when you look at the GDP number, it seems like, yes, the slowdown didn't just slow down. The slowdown disappeared. And now maybe we're back on the way toward, if not necessarily the same levels of growth last year, but at least a growing economy again. But as you know, Steve, this we're kind of setting everybody up here. The GDP number was extremely, exceedingly hollow. And the fact that it was built upon basically just one part of the GDP report. And other than this one part, everything looks exactly the same as it was in the first half of the year, right? And so it, without exports, because imports have been falling and exports have been rising, GDP would have been negative. It was the, the net export component contributed 2.8 points for the 2.6% gain quarter over quarter. Yeah, and that's huge because we do know the government's been draining down the strategic petroleum reserve. We know that oil is being exported. And we're not saying that that's entirely the number. But what I look at this, Jeff, is when I and when I think about the global economy and I think about the U.S., it is the world's largest consuming nation by far. And so what I want to see, I don't want to see exports because that doesn't help me at all. What I want to see is imports are rising because that what well, that tells me my neighbors and everyone else is out there consuming at an increasingly higher rate. And that's great for the economy. But we didn't see that. We actually saw imports are headed down. And so this export issue could be, you know, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that could it be transitory here? Oh, don't put that word. What are you doing there? No. And that's yeah. And there's a number for that. It's called real final sales of two domestic purchasers is all the consumption and investment that businesses and consumers do in the United States, regardless of where the service or product was produced. So that includes imports, but it does not include exports because that's the rest of the world demand. 
So as far as GDP is concerned, just domestic U.S. demand, it was actually pretty bad in the in the third quarter of 2022, uh, rising just half of a percent. That's at an annual rate after rising just three tenths of a percent in the second quarter. And it has been it has been pretty weak and weakening ever since the middle of last year. So in terms of just domestic demand, nothing changed whatsoever from the second quarter into the third quarter. It was simply an export boost. And that raises all sorts of issues too, right, Steve? Because you've got the dollar, you've got uh, global funding problems. We cannot count upon the rest of the world to bail out this weak domestic economy going forward. And already the Census Bureau data, and I talked about this yesterday in a video I did, you know, already the Census Bureau data shows that exports are rolling over like imports, global trades falling off. So if we're looking ahead into the fourth quarter and the first quarter next year, without exports, what's going to what's going to carry the U.S. economy if, as you're saying, domestic demand is already uh, maybe not horrible, but it's not good either? Well, I think, Jeff, I, I'm going to push back a little bit here because, you know, the, the labor market, I mean, look at unemployment claims. I mean, they're super low. I mean, historically, when you're in the low 200,000s, I mean, you got to pat yourself on the back if you're running this economy. That's a great number. I mean, look at the PCE. I mean, sure, it's it's hot. It's, it's coming down a little bit. But then you can look at incomes and say, look, people are out spending more. They're making more. And that means that they're actually absorbing this inflation. And granted, that means the Fed can keep tightening. So everything must be OK. Right. I mean, that data looks just fine. I'm detecting a little bit of sarcasm in your in your tone here, Steve, because, yeah, and that's where we think about, OK, let's start with personal income. Income is the, the, the monthly data that came out just yesterday. This today is what the 29th. It's a Saturday. So yesterday, the, 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 uh, the Bureau of Economic Analysis reported on national income. And, you know, there's one in particular that the NBER looks at that I look at. I think a lot of economists look at. It's called real personal income, excluding transfer receipts, which adjust for both the government transfers as well as prices. And you see that's rising only a little bit. It's been flat for over about a year now, which suggests that consumers aren't doing good. But you're right, they are spending nominally, keeping up, at least uh, falling a little bit behind compared to prices. But here's the thing. The other big number that came out in the personal income and spending report was the personal savings rate. That, you know, that has fallen down again to 3.1%, which is incredibly low, which suggests that consumers, they're just keeping up. That's what the income numbers say adjusted for inflation. They're just barely keeping up with price increases. Just forget the unemployment claims in the, in the labor market data that look great. Um, the, the, this income data suggests that on an aggregate basis, there's not enough income to keep up with price increases as well as a growing economy to support a growing economy. And because of that, with the cert, with this personal savings rate falling down to 3.1%, that's usually where you see the transition from an okay slowing down economy into something worse because Consumers are running out of, of they're running out of spending. They're running out of the ability to maintain their spending. They have no cushion left, no margin for error. Right. And I want to put this number in context because I think it, it gets misused. And all this is the government's attempt when we talk about the personal savings rate is what does Steve or Jeff, what does their household have left over to spend on, on investing, you know, or to you know save? And so when that number shrinks, what that tells us is the average person is getting crushed by inflation. And then also tells us that they're likely reduced, or drawing down their savings. 
And so when I look at this and I see the savings rate really low, to me, Jeff, it means that at some point, and perhaps in the weeks or months to come, that households are going to start looking at their budgets a lot more carefully than they are now, and they're going to cut spending. Yeah, and I think that's what we've been hearing from the corporate sector, right? It, it hasn't gotten into the data yet. We've had this, this flat, slowdown type of economy, um, you know, considering the GDP report as something, you know, extraordinary one time, one time for exports. But then you hear the earnings reports, as you mentioned, coming out, you know, Amazon, FedEx, and a number of the other, Adidas just recently talking about inventory, talking about consumer spending, lower traffic number. I mean, these are all the kinds of phrases and buzzwords that you don't associate with an accelerating stable economy. You associate with consumers, as you're just saying, facing the prospect of having little to no savings left, little to no spare income left. And all it takes is a little tiny bit of a spark, a little announcement of layoffs or something, uh, some uncertainty in the labor market for consumers who are already reaching the end. And another point that we need to mention, something you raised last week, which is always a good one, maxing out in credit, consumer credit. So you've maxed out on consumer credit. Your incomes are barely keeping up with nominal uh, consumer prices. And you don't have any spare capacity left in terms of savings. It's the recipe for exactly what other markets have been pricing. The yield curve has been pricing where it's not an accelerating economy. It's an economy that's ripe for a contraction. In the timing of this, Jeff, is what I have the biggest issue with. Now, I mean, we could rearrange all this stuff at a different time of the year. And I would say, all right, not maybe not such a big deal. But, you know, here we have consumers, the government data saying, hey, they're tapped out. We look at the real personal income. Yeah, it ticked up. But what we didn't tell you is on a year-over-year rate of change, it's still negative. So that way we know for a fact consumers are not keeping up with inflation. And then what do we get from Amazon? Hey, our sales coming up are going to be way down compared to what they should be and what we're hoping to be. We see wholesale inventory still up. We see retail inventories down just a smidge. And what I'm afraid of, Jeff, if we go through the holiday season, consumers don't spend. And now you and I are in January talking about how there's this massive inventory overhang and the wholesalers and retailers are desperate. They have to dump it. They have to cut staff. And then we're in big trouble. And I think that's the, the you know, when Amazon uh, reported their projections, their current quarter earnings were fine. They were a little bit disappointing. Nothing really bad there. But it was for the Christmas holiday season, which for retailers is the, the, the part of the year that makes or breaks your entire entire year. And the uh, revenue estimates were, you know, maybe $148 billion compared to $155 billion they were expecting. At the low end, $140 billion. You think about it, that's a 10% miss from expectations. They're not saying that, oh, consumers are a little bit cautious. Consumers are looking a little bit dour. They're, they're kind of pessimistic. They're saying we could really miss our earnings, our revenue project, revenue projections by as much as 10%. Now, of course, that fault, that, that's, we can take that either way too, because many in the mainstream media are saying, well, well, that's nothing more than the pandemic, uh, pandemic habits becoming, or, or Americans going back to their pre-pandemic habits, right? Because when everybody was locked down, that's where Amazon really took off. And if we're no longer locked down, COVID's no longer a big issue, then consumers are just going to go back to the mall. They won't need to shop online. So maybe Amazon's catastrophic revenue projections are nothing more than, okay, a little bit concerning, but no big deal because Americans are just going back to the mall. Do you think that's, that's the case at all, Steve? 
No, I don't. And that's what scares me, Jeff, because this is the time of the year. Everybody, like you said, the, it's make it or break it for wholesalers and retailers. They need people to go out and spend. And we're starting to see you know, consumers start to pull back. And that is, it's just the worst possible time because, you know, you think about, you know, what happened during COVID is we ran out of inventory and that led to inflation. What happens if this massive pile of inventory doesn't get moved? And even if it goes down a little bit and we take this into next year, I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, we're talking, you know, the entire economy is starting to grind to a halt because literally you have to clear this out or destroy it. And then that's going to lead to job cuts. And that's what concerns me. I think the labor market may get through mid-December and if sales don't pick up, I have a hunch by the end of the year, we're going to see a whole lot of job losses. Well, I think, you know, it might even be sooner than that, because when you look at the shipping industry, the goods industry, the you know movement of stuff around, that has been dominated by supply factors, logistical factors for ever since the beginning of 2021, if not a little bit before then, going back to the pandemic. But what you hear repeatedly throughout the shipping industry is that there was no peak season this year. The summer was kind of a bust, but, you know, summer, back to school, all that stuff. It Right about, you know, the end of September into October, that's when thing, that's when truckers, that's when railroads, that's when ports should be absolutely bustling with activity because retailers are getting ready for Christmas holiday season. And what you hear anecdotally anyway, from one after another, after another, after another, is that there was no peak season this year. In fact, rather than a peak season, it was as if the economy or the, the inventory problem took a, a, a nosedive at the end of September into October, which means as far as the data is concerned, even some of the sediment data, that hasn't been captured yet. So looking ahead from all of these you know, anecdotes from shippers who are saying there was no peak season, it may be that retailers are already saying we're not we're not at all optimistic about this Christmas season. So we're we're done ordering even for Christmas, even before it even starts. And that I think if that starts to show up in the fourth quarter, then you'll start to see it in the data. But that won't be until after what another rate hike by the Fed, maybe two rate hikes by the Fed. Uh, that's sort of up in the air. But at least the you know next the rate hike next week, it's looking at an economy that may not even exist anymore. Right. And we're getting some of this picture now. Again, it's, it's not a clear, you know, it's all focused in real good. But what we we are getting is from the regional feds and you look at new orders and you're starting to see, you know, not just a one month decline, not just a two month decline. Now we're starting to see the third consecutive month. And we go back to your comment about shipping. What do we see with container rates? They're tanking. I mean, we're talking pre-pandemic levels, in some cases lower. Ships that they couldn't have, they didn't have enough ships. Now that we have too many ships, they can't get enough cargo to fill them. So we seeing it, we're seeing a shift here. And if, I think, Jeff, if we continue to see those regional Fed's data, I mean, if we see in uh, next month, them tick down a fourth month in a row, I don't see how the headline ISM or the S&P Global are not, you know, eventually nosediving to catch up with them. Well, I think, you know, you know, that's that's there's been that divergence between the so-called soft sentiment data like the PMIs and the so-called hard data like, for example, durable goods. And that maybe might be one of the one of the data series that was really under the radar this week was that durable goods, which is a hard data, which is you would think would have a high correlation with the new order components of these regional Fed surveys and the PMIs and whatever. Um, the, the durable goods number on Thursday was negative. It was minus 0.5% month over month, which is the largest month over month decline 
since 2020, but it was also the second month in a row with either zero growth or negative. So when you look at the durable goods order on a chart, it looks like it's just starting to roll over, which would be consistent with what you're seeing in the soft surveys. So you had the soft surveys, the sentiment data saying things are starting to look really dicey back in the middle of the year, got increasingly worse. And now we might be seeing, as we're seeing saying with the anecdotes in this, at least this one in factory orders too, but in some of the hard data is starting to look like it's rolling over too, which goes back to the point I think that I'm trying to make here, maybe not well, is that the, you know, the, the uh, third quarter of 2022 may look okay, but it looks like things really started to accelerate on the downside toward the end of the third quarter and beginning the fourth quarter. So as far as the Fed is concerned, as far as the GDP concerned, none of that stuff in the hard data is going to show up, at least not until later in the year. So that's why we get look at the market prices and look at the yield curves that are looking ahead rather than behind and seeing all of these things start to come closer and closer and closer to aligning. What is it you said that we've got? We've got the lower, low savings rate. We've got maxed out consumers. We've got businesses that are unable to withstand input costs. You've got labor market uncertainty. And all of these things are getting closer and closer together, tied with the inventory cycle, um, some services numbers that look pretty bad because consumers really are reaching the end. And it, it really does look like that the... Uh, the noose is tightening on the economy rather than the other way around, that the economy is escaping the noose and going into some stable or perhaps booming environment. And yet for some strange reason, Jeff, beyond explanation of anybody at the Fed, because they do not understand how this could possibly happen, particularly as we are now days away from what is likely another rate hike, for some odd reason, unexplainable reason, three-month yields are higher than 10-year yields how is that pot who on earth would actually go and buy a 10-year yield or bond or note when you can buy a three-month bill and get more interest why would anybody do that it is not just that the the, the the yield curve is inverted now with the three-month tenure it's ridiculously inverted and we talked about this last week because the week before last the three-month tenure inverted just a little bit and then it went away which is how these inversions always happen and as of yesterday, which again was Friday the 28th, the inversion between the three-month bill and the 10-year was up to 16 basis points. So even though GDP was positive, even though the Fed's talking about rate hikes, the market is saying that we're probably inching closer and closer to recession, which as you and I just, we just finished talking about, that's where it seems like the rest of the data actually is looking like uh, moving in that direction regardless of the headline GDP number. Uh, let's wrap this up. Final thought. We've got yield curve inversion. Also, maybe, you know, the ECB. The ECB hiked rates this past week, except they kind of went wishy-washy, right? They said, well, maybe they removed the language saying that maybe there's further rate hikes. And then Christine Lagarde on their press conference said, yeah, there's a, there's a pretty serious risk of recession. So <laughs> maybe the Fed will follow the, their European counterparts. What do you think, Steve? Uh, I think the Fed's going to hike, although I, I've kind of been on record saying I think this might be the last one. And what we can note, even I, I think Powell's a smart guy that kind of plays dumb because he's got to play Fed chair. But I think he understands inverted yield curve because we can look back in, in the past and see that he knew what it meant back in 2018. I think he knows this is coming. I think he's afraid of it, but I don't think he has a choice. And all what we're looking at here is the three ten, uh, three month tenure 
it has nothing to do with who's buying what. What it's telling us, it's a leading indicator that the probability that the economy is heading to recession. Now, it doesn't mean next week, next month, probably next year. We can almost safely say that. It just means it's coming unless there is a massive change in monetary policy. And Jeff, we know that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I think that's you know the final thought here is that the yield curve is looking ahead as it has been ever since it first inverted other curves, year dollar futures last year. And as that didn't matter what happened along the way, the economy continues to move in that direction. Uh, everything that we're looking at, everything they're analyzing, even despite the headline GDP, continues to move in the direction of recession pretty, uh, pretty solidly. And if these stories, these anecdotes and shippers and inventory and everything else are correct, that the economy did take a, a serious tumble at the end of last quarter into this quarter, that would be perfectly consistent with what the yield curve has done recently, accelerating into the three-month, 10-year uh, U.S. Treasury. So something keeping something worth keeping in mind, along with all the other stuff, you know, U.S. dollar, deflationary money and everything else. So thanks for joining me, Steve, as always. Look forward to doing it again in the future next week. Thanks, Jeff. Yep. We'll see you next weekend. All right. Take care.